Hey, what's up, everyone? This is David Greenspan, and you are listening to the Mindshare Podcast, a proud member of the Industry Syndicate Media Network. Additional podcasts are available at industrysyndicate.com and mindshare101.com. This week's episode is sponsored by Kits Keep in Touch Systems. This is episode 13. We know our business in this business comes from the people we know. Yet, we're always out there searching for how we can get business from people we don't know. We call this prospecting. And the numbers tell us that they only represent between 10 to 30% of your annual income. This is why you need to build your foundation before you try to put the roof on. In other words, you need to work your contact list before you go after the strangers. Now, when it comes to strangers, before diving in, we need to explore the options of how we can do this. Keeping in mind, we need to use a cross-channel approach to support our message. I actually had a call from someone just the other day who asked me about prospecting in some condo buildings. He framed the conversation around the fact that it's hard to get inside the doors, so there's no door-knocking option. Most people don't want flyers. Getting each unit's contact info isn't easy, nor is it very legal without consent. And a lot of those people may even be renters instead of actual homeowners. So he asked me what I thought about it all and what he should do. And I flat out told him not to farm condos. It's simply too hard to break in and support, the, like, to support them the way you need to. He then shared that he had done some business in this building over the years, so he's not a total stranger. He also shared that he had connected with the property manager and coordinated to sponsor the coffee morning they do once a week. So he brings the coffee gives it to the property manager, and they set it up for people. I right away asked if he was able to join, and he said he hadn't done that yet and hasn't been invited. He just dropped it off, but he trusts that they're getting it. Yeah, that's fine. They're getting it. But what's the overall strategy here? I mean, I'm fine with the coffee, but what are we doing to support this idea? What are we, you know, what's the coffee supporting? You see, for me, I kept picturing myself standing right outside the front doors of this place, standing there right outside the front door, staring straight up to the sky and seeing, for example, this like 20-story building with all of these units, and I've got no way to get in to meet the people. I joked that it could be good if he were to have a big billboard across the street that stares straight at the front entrance of the building, (laughs) but not totally realistic. And people may just end up sick of seeing him instead of like wanting to call them, right? It was a joke. But we then discussed this question around unaddressed flyers versus direct mail. And my take on it was that he'd be better off with the direct mail, but it's going to take some legwork to get all of those addresses. He still had a concern about the legality around obtaining them, and that was a very valid concern. Obtaining this info isn't always easy. And although he does have the means to access it, those means, realistically speaking, they're not for that purpose. As I was speaking with him, What I was trying to do was explore the seven ways to communicate and see which ones he could incorporate. We also obviously spoke about some online stuff, including some Facebook leads ads and and working some hyper-local targeting. Again, though, this is all going to need support to actually work. Now, he knows this building. He knows the neighborhood. I don't. He also knows that he needs to invest at least 12 to 36 months consistently before he really sees the results. He also tried the line that if he gets at least a deal, he should be good. I had to correct him right there. That's not the way to be thinking. 
You need to keep in mind that you have other expenses that you're already committed to. And that's why you started trying to figure out how to bring in more business, more money in the first place. And I tell you this, my goal every day when working all of you in this real estate industry and all of you in sales for that matter, my goal is to help you work easier, spend less and make more, not the other way around. But the more expenses you create for yourself, the more money you need to spend, and so the harder you need to work. Before we do anything, I come back to this. We need to review using the AMH theorem. We know who our audience is. Now we need to define our budget and the marketing tools we're going to use. And of course, we need to plan what we're going to do to support it with our hard work and our hustle. After reviewing his AMH and defining the different pieces of it, the next step I suggested to him was determine whether it was that building that he really wanted to focus his efforts on. And I gave him a roadmap for how to do that. In fact, let's do that together right now. Mark this stuff down if you want to. Here are the seven steps to determine if it is the right prospecting slash farming area for you. Number one, start by selecting three different areas that you can compare to each other. Mark everything down in a spreadsheet so you can compare your numbers. I don't care if you use Excel, if you use a pen in a, in a notebook, but mark it down. Create your own little spreadsheet and start to identify area one, area two, area three. We're going to pick them. Now, what are we comparing? Well, first thing we want to do, so step two, is we want to figure out, is this place easy to commute to? For example, the proximity to where you live, to where your office is, can you travel there regularly? So maybe take your house and your office as a, a, a destination point and literally figure out how far are you, uh, how many miles, kilometers, how many minutes it's going to take you to get there. Can you get there often enough? Step three, research the people. We're talking income levels, demographics. Do you even like these people? We want to know, are they making more money? Are they making less money? Are they making average money, right? What age groups are they? What kind of people are they? What kind of backgrounds are they? Will you connect with these people? Maybe you totally hate these people. Maybe they totally hate you. So we want to go through and we want to research the people. Again, tracking each area, who are the people. Step four, research the area. Things like transportation. Is there transportation? Uh, you know, is there transit, buses, subways maybe? Uh, does Uber go around there? Maybe even pull up the Uber app and find out, are there any Ubers around this place? Lyft, whatever. Growth opportunities, right? Is there a new library being built? Or maybe a new community center, a new a new office building going up, a new, you know, uh, manufacturing plant going up. What kind of opportunities are there? Proximity to the next area. So what area is right across the street? Sometimes, you know, you've got one great area right here, but the minute you cross the street, it's like, oh, you don't want to go to that side. So again, let's look at the area that we're in. Let's look at the areas that are around us and what kind of reputation we have. Is this a higher-end neighborhood? Is this a lower-end neighborhood? Is this neighborhood known for a lot of crime? Is this neighborhood known for whatever? So do your research and figure out what you can get. What kind of um, stereotype? What kind of sort of attachment can you put? What kind of brand? What kind of outlook can you put on that neighborhood to go, will people want to move here? What demographics are people would, you know, of people would want to move to this neighborhood? So again, step four is to research the area. Step five, the right size. You want to find an area that's 
not too big that you can't manage it. You want to find an area that's, well, not too small that it won't provide enough opportunity. But you want to go in and you want to figure out what size that area is. How many households are really there? And then looking at that and being very realistic, right? If we look, you know, um, up here in Canada, we've got 36 million people. Uh, in the States, we've got 360 million people. As us, small little entrepreneur, salesperson, real estate agent, real estate industry, it's not real to think that we're going to be able to have the money to afford to market to everybody. So we want to start to get really localized, right? We want to start to hyper-localize this and break it right down into the area that we actually work, the places we frequent on a regular basis, right? So again, you're looking for an area that is not too big that you can't manage it and not too small that it won't provide enough opportunity for you. So that's step five. Now step six, run your numbers. Is there a high turnover rate? By the way, to calculate turnover rate, real easy. Divide the number of homes in your farm area, which we figured out in step five. Then divide them by the number of homes sold in that same area, say over the past three years. Okay, so again, we're really looking to see what's kind of happened, not in the past 12 months, but really over the past, say, 24 to even 36. But pick, you know, if it's 24 months, it's 24. If it's 36, it's 36. You got to do the same comparison across the board. And what you're aiming for is to try to pick an area with a minimum of a 6 to 8% turnover rate. Right. So again, you want to figure out the turnover rate. You want to divide the number of homes in your farm area by the number of homes sold in that same area over the past either two or three years. And again, pick an area with a minimum of a 6% to 8% turnover rate. So do this for all three areas. Do your calculations. Again, right now, we're just doing some research. We're marking things down on a spreadsheet. The next thing about running your numbers, how many homes sold by units? So let's look again over the past 24 or 36 months. And this is why I said to you, it's got to be consistent. How many homes sold? Just mark that number down. Was it five? Was it 25? Was it 75? Was it 150? How many homes sold by units? Next within the numbers, what are the average sale prices? Do a quick MLS search. Go figure out what is the average sell price in that neighborhood. Mark that down. Then, based on those sale prices, what kind of commission can you anticipate? Well, I know if I sell a house at this average price, I'm going to make X. So let's mark that down. Also, what are the typical average days on market in that area? If houses are moving really, really quick with uh, great average prices, well, we know we can probably make a hell of a lot more commission in a shorter period of time. At the same time, if things are just sitting and sitting and sitting and they don't move very quickly, well, that's something else we've got to analyze. So let's look at the typical average days on market. Mark that down. How many homes are currently listed in that area? Look at that right now. Maybe there's zero for sale. And I can tell you right now, as we're getting into the spring market, we're, we're sort of at the beginning of March here, moving into April. If there's nothing up for sale, either people are totally holding and sitting on their hands for the next few weeks, or there may not be that much action going on. So let's have a look at how many homes are currently listed uh, in that area. We also want to analyze our competition. And this is where I say, do your recon. Most people say, Dave, what's recon? Well, reconnaissance, just like the military does. Before they go into battle, they figure out who they're up against. You know, who's the other side? Who's the enemy? Where are they positioned? Where are they stationed? What equipment are they using? So much the same in your business. Do your recon, okay? Figure out, is there any competitors in that area yet? Is there anybody there? 
What are they doing? Are they sending flyers or postcards? How often are they sending them? What are they sending? So if you live in that area, bonus, check your mailbox and start to do a little bit of homework. Start to put things aside. Mark down when it came in. Make some piles from the different people that are sending it. You will find for sure that there's going to be a realtor in that area that is sending once a week, even twice a month. You will find that somebody sends it this month and you never see them again. Let's figure out what's going on. Then the people that are sending really often, let's do a little drive-by during the weekend and during the week even. Look for the sandwich boards, the open houses. What are people doing? Do they have any billboards? Do they have any outdoor advertising out there? What is my competition doing to build mindshare in that neighborhood? Therefore, what do I need to do if I choose to go after that neighborhood to beat them, to win the battle? So again, do your recon, figure out what your competition is up to. All of that comes back to, again, running your numbers, which was step six. So again, we figured out the high turnover rate. We figured out how many homes sold, what the average prices are, uh, what kind of commissions we can make, what the average days on market are, how many homes are currently listed. And we looked at the competition. And all of that, again, comes with step number six, run your numbers. So now we get to step number seven. We also, of course, want to leverage all seven ways to communicate with these people. So... You need to analyze what you will and will not be able to do to build mindshare in that area. For example, can you go meet people? For, and, and, you know, as we were talking to this guy with the condo, we know that's a very difficult thing to do. He can't go and door knock. But if you're looking at a neighborhood that is maybe not condos, well, what can you do? Can you door knock? Will you door knock? And I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. 96% of realtors I've asked, 96% hate door knocking. Out of the 4% that do it, 99% of them see business from it. So I understand you don't want to be knocked. you hate walking in the cold, you hate getting the door slammed on your face, but you know what? It works. But that's one way to meet people. Another way is to introduce yourself to shop owners, going in and creating a conversation, creating a relationship with the shops that you frequent on a regular basis. Support them, and hey, at some point, they're going to be more than willing to support you. Community events, community centers, what can you do to get involved with the people around you in a physical way, in person, because that's one of the ways to communicate is in person. So think about those, list those out. So as you're doing your comparison of the areas, also do your seven ways to communicate and start asking yourself, can I door knock? Can I meet shop owners? Can I do community events? Can I go to the community centers? You know, there's lots of things that I haven't listed yet. Mark them down. What ideas have you got that you can in person go to see people? The next way is the phone. We know you need to be calling people. So are you willing to do the cold call? Are you willing when you meet these people to put them on your 10-year plan and stay in touch with them on a regular basis as you should be? So the calls, think about what you can do to use the phone. Direct mail, and that could well mail, physical mail, handouts, something tangible, a tangible piece of marketing rather than just electronic marketing. What can you do to drop something off at their home? What can you do to leave something at the shops, at the community center that people can literally grab, take with them, hold in their hand, look at, touch and feel? Flyers, newsletters, something again for the house. Think about what you can physically do to get something into people's hands. We look at emails, another way to communicate with people. What can you do to obtain people's email addresses? Are you running a contest? Are you entering them into a raffle? They've got to give you an email address to be part of. Are you getting that email address from them when you meet them? For everybody you talk to, everybody's got an email. Too easy not to get it. Add them to the list and to your email email newsletter. Okay. Always ask them for consent. Remember that. 
We look at social media. What can we do with social? Well, when we're talking to a neighborhood, we can, again, hyper-local targeting. We can do social media farming. We can actually go in in that exact same area we choose. We can actually go into, let's say, a Facebook ads manager and create an ad, a lead ad that is going to be targeted to that area. You can actually go right into that to a specific address in that area and target a, a certain proximity around it. Typically speaking, Facebook only allows a minimum of one mile, but again, you can start to hit people from there. And so anybody that's on social, be it Facebook, be it Instagram, whatever, they may start to see your ads there as well. So now it's not only in person, it's not only outside, it's not only by email, it's not only by phone, but they're also seeing you online with their social media. And then that naturally takes us to your website and having a landing page, having information about the community. The more you position yourself as a community expert, the more people are going to look at you as a community expert and the more people are going to begin to call you. This doesn't happen overnight though. It all takes time to make it happen. So again, as we look at the seven ways to communicate, we know those seven ways are in person, by phone, text message, direct mail, email, social media, and web. What you want to do when you're analyzing a step seven is look at that area that you want to farm and start to mark down. And this is before we spend any money. This is before we make any commitments. But start to mark down what you can do to build mindshare across a cross-channel strategy in that neighborhood so that you can take over and win the battle. Spending money with no plan, it makes no sense. You need to always start by focusing on group number one your most important audience. Make sure that you're consistently building mindshare with them first. Once they're on lockdown, then you can look outside to group number two. It's too easy to think that money's the solution, but that way of thinking, it will cost you a lot of it. Going after strangers is an out, but it's not necessarily easy. Actually, we give too much credit to those strangers. Seriously, think about it. We know the majority of our business comes from the people we know, yet we're trying to figure out how to spend money on the people we don't know. You hear me here, right? Like, it doesn't make sense. I just fully mapped out how to pick an area that you want to prospect. And by the way, you need to pick that area before you get involved with any ongoing marketing. You know it can take 12 to 36 months. So whether you're going online lead gen with landing pages or social media or you're going the cold call, the flyer, the door knock way, or even billboards and outdoor ads... You need to have the plan first. Nothing will work on its own. And the area you pick, be realistic with yourself. And always remember how much money, what kind of budget you're working with for marketing. And always keep in the back of your mind that your business from this group, and this is based on over 93% of realtors asked, your business from this group usually represents only about 10 to 30% of your income. Build mindshare with the people you know then you can go after the people you don't know. And no matter what, we always need to be consistent for any of it to work. You're either listening to this on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or maybe you went to industrysyndicate.com or even mindshare101.com. Wherever you like to consume your content, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you haven't yet, Connect with me on Facebook at Mindshare101 and on Instagram at David Greenspan101. This has been another episode of the Mindshare Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening.